Matthew 9. Let's turn over there. We're on part three of the series that we've been on, uh, on the simplicity of the gospel. And, uh, you know, we're in this moment right now where uh, there is a convergence happening in the earth between uh, prayer and mission. And God has set in motion uh, uh, for years now a mission movement of proclaiming the gospel. And then over the last, you know, 25 years or so, he's raised up a prayer movement. Uh, You know, if you go with what God did in South Korea, it's, it's a little bit longer than that. Uh, surely it's beyond just the house of prayer movement. But, uh, and now what's happening is he's taken the truths of both these uh, huge movements that are in the body of Christ, and he's, he's merging them. There's a divine convergence taking place between prayer and mission. And so that's what's happening to us. And this isn't something we strategize and thought, you know, this would be a good time to do a lot of gospel stuff. This is this is something the Lord is doing simultaneously. It's been interesting to me as I've been preaching on the gospel and just sort of talking privately with people. I have, I've had multiple conversations with people who said, you know, I've just been burning with the desire to share the gospel with the lost. I didn't know what was going on. Then you started talking about the gospel, and, and it's obviously something the Lord is doing. And so I am so energized over these, these ideas that the Lord is causing all the streams to flow together as one river. And, and that's what's happening with prayer and mission. He's grouping those as one reality. I think there'll be a time pretty shortly where we'll say, gosh, you know, you did, you did a bunch of missions without prayer and you did a bunch of prayer without missions. Like how weird would that be? I think the Lord is going to make it so uh, uh, connected that you just don't think to do one without the other. And it's the continual, you know, uh, intercessions of the saints with the continual proclamations of the gospel. And those things merge together in one, in one stream. Okay, good. So uh, last week, we just went essentially line by line and just broke down uh, what is the gospel message. And I had a bunch of people this week tell me, they said, man, I've never heard a message that just explains what are the details of the gospel that you need to share. And so what we did was last week we looked at Paul and we looked at Peter and their different explanations of the gospel and the scripture, and we pulled out kind of the key points and, and grouped them together and, 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 and brought together the details of the story and, 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 and said, okay, these are the key things that you share when you share the gospel with somebody. And uh, we realized that, you know, sharing our testimony is awesome. I want everybody to share their testimony, how God saved you, set you free from sin. But just sharing your testimony isn't sharing the gospel. You know, the gospel's the gospel. And, and so you're sh- when you share your testimony, it, it affirms the truth of the gospel because God used the truth of the, the gospel to change your life, but your testimony alone isn't the gospel. Also, we talked about how planting seeds. You know, we, we, get, we can get in this ministry of planting a seed, and we think, well, we just say, God bless you, or Jesus loves you, and, and, and that's good uh, to, to say those things, but that's not sharing the gospel either. And, and really, when Paul talked about planting the seed, he was actually talking about planting the seed of the gospel. And so the Lord can use anything. I, I don't take anything away from the Lord. He can use like anything. If he used, you know, a donkey, he can, he can use anything. I mean, and, and he does all the time. But if we're going to talk about sharing the gospel, let's be precise and, uh, and, and recognize what that is. And so 
all in all, at the end of last week, we, we basically came to this conclusion that the gospel is essentially a good news and bad news story. It's the good news, but you got to recognize the bad news first. The bad news is, without Jesus, every last one of us is doomed, and there's no way to get out of it. And that's just real. I am, uh, I am feeling very bold on these points, this point right here. Because there is such a pressure to be politically correct, to say that hell's not real or hell's momentary or, or to affirm uh, you know, homosexuality. There is such a pressure on it right now to, to just not act like sin is sin and just you know, say, well, it's cultural. Or, obviously, our president just came out and said, well, you know, I, I listened to my family and I listened to my daughters and people in society and just said that, you know, I just realized that times have changed. And so you have to accept homosexuality and, and gay marriage. Well, listen, guys, times may have changed, but the Bible hasn't changed. Unfor- unfortunately for that viewpoint, the Bible hasn't changed. The Bible's still true. The Bible was true 2,000 years ago, and it's just as true today. The Bible and God's Word is not subject to the, tr- to the truths of our society and our culture. The Bible is true. It's the standard. It's the plumb line for truth in every culture, in every time. And so uh, I'm thinking about writing a blog that says, I am gay affirming, which means I love gay people, but I, but I don't affirm their sin. I just want to kind of raise an eyebrow. And then just break that thing down uh, because I do, I love uh, all sorts of lost people. But we don't affirm the sin of a homosexual or a, a heterosexual or a thief or any sin. Guys, everybody is stuck in this thing called sin without Jesus and sin dooms us. So that's the really bad news of the gospel, <laughs> I got bad news and I got good news. The bad news is we're doomed because sin dooms us. The good news is the only one that could pay for it is Jesus, and he has, and he took our sin. He paid our debt. He died, and he was, he was risen again, and there's an offer, and his offer is simply this, my life for yours, your life for mine. There's never been an offer where Jesus said, just pray a simple prayer or, you know, just sort of close your head, bow your eyes, you know, bow your head, close your eyes, close your head and bow your eyes, bow your head, close your eyes, and just sort of ask him into your heart and nobody knows about it. There's never been that. There's always been this, confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that he is the son of God raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe that and live like it's true. And you shall be saved. That's reality. That's not going to change. That's the truth of the scripture. And we're not coming off of that. But those are the points that we've kind of got to get together when we share the gospel with somebody. You know, oftentimes we kind of share a, a, a watered down version of the gospel. And people buy into a watered down Jesus. And so what happens is they'll, they'll answer an altar call or something and and they, you know, they will tell them they're saved and their sins are forgiven. And what they signed up for was forgiveness. They never signed up for lordship. And there, beloved, there is no forgiveness without lordship. Those go together. <laughs> and so those truths are, are what's, what's inherent in the gospel. Now, this week, 
we're going to talk about how do we, uh, what are the biblical ways that we administer the gospel? How do we participate in the gospel? What do we do to get in on this thing called preaching the gospel to every creature? As I was doing the study and looking through this, there is three yay four, and I'll add the four on as a bonus, but there's three ways that we personally engage with the gospel. And, and, and I want to walk through those three, and I'll add the fourth as a bonus. I'll tell you what the bonus is. The bonus is giving. We give toward the gospel as a bonus. Amen. Now, church in America, we give toward the gospel as our main way that we engage in it. And I don't want to tell anybody not to give to the gospel. I want to encourage you, give to the gospel. But beloved, that's the bonus. Biblically, that's the bonus. That you get the opportunity, you get the blessing to actually give toward the gospel and that someone somewhere that you would never be able to touch and reach is going to hear the gospel because you sowed financially into that. The Lord will actually credit that back to your account, but that's the bonus. Come on. What we've done is we trade off a lot of times the bonus as the main thing. That's the cherry on top. That's the extra. That's the blessing, the bonus. It's more blessed to give than receive. We partner in the gospel through, through uh, giving toward it. But that's the extra. The three key ways that the scripture identifies that we can personally engage in the gospel, administer the gospel, three things. Number one is prayer. Number two is proclamation. And the third one is power manifestation. That's it. Prayer, proclamation, and power manifestation. I want to give you a little vision before we walk through it. Can you imagine, think about this now, can you imagine if every believer, every born-again believer decided to engage in the ministry of intercession, a continual prayer life flowing and asking the Lord to release his kingdom, and then added to that continual proclamation of the gospel, you know, sharing the gospel with friends, family, neighbors, strangers on a regular basis, and every believer believed that if you lay your hands on people, they're going to get healed. What if every believer was an intercessor, a proclaimer, and a power manifester? (laughs) Things would change. Am I okay here? Things would radically change. And beloved, here's the deal. What's normal in the Bible is that that's what every believer does. Every believer engages in prayer and intercession. Every believer proclaims the gospel. Now, not every believer is going to have a platform, you know, in, in front of crowds, but that's not how it's supposed to be. The, the, the big meeting, again, is the bonus. The one-on-one individual sharing, that's the mainstay. So every believer, what if they pray, they, they share, and do you know every believer to lay hands on the sick and they can recover? That's for every one of us. Now, I know, listen, I know if you've been around in the church any amount of time, this is not 
new revel, you know, revelation. But here's the deal. Uh, if we were just doing these things, Gwinnett County would have caved into the gospel already. I'm telling you, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Our county of 750,000 people cannot withstand the power of God, cannot withstand the power of the gospel. If this thing had been being manifest, if, we had, if I'll just say it this way, if we had been doing what we quote unquote already know, there's no way Gwinnett County would stand a chance. Amen. I'm not smacking anybody. I'm in on it too. I'm going, man, I'm having a, I'm having a revival of preaching the, the word of God outside of the pulpit. I told a, a few weeks ago, I just said, you know, I realized after years of uh, preaching two, three, four times a week that I had traded off in large part my personal sharing of, the, of my faith with people. I traded that for prob- public uh, proclamation, pro- public preaching, and uh, that's not how it's supposed to be. I believe that if I get to preach publicly, that's a bonus. But I'm supposed to engage individually and personally in sharing my faith with the lost. Amen. Okay. So, the first detail, the first way that we minister the gospel is prayer. And I'm going to take us a little bit on a Bible study this morning. Because I want to get the verses out there. And then you get to deal with the verses <laughs> you ever have that happen? The guy shares the verse and it just, ugh, and you just, you're just like having to deal with that verse like all week. Like the Lord just goes, yeah, that verse is a real one. That's actually real. Like you actually have to do that one. You're just going, oh, you got the wrestle going on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us on a little bit of a Bible study, share some verses, and, uh, and then and I'm going to jump in the deep end of the pool. I want, to, I want to go for it all together, you know? I want us to go for it. That's, uh, that's what I said last week, and that's really, my goal is that we would be a community that, yes, we've already got this kind of prayer thing happening, but we would be a community that, by and large, virtually everybody is regularly administering the gospel to the lost. All right, Matthew 9, familiar verse, verse 36. When he, that's Jesus, saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having having no shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We've talked about this verse many times in the past. Uh, I'm not gonna emphasize and spend a lot of time on this part of how we administer the gospel because we are a community that believes in prayer. Hopefully it's not just name only. Hopefully it's, it's actually the actuality of our lives. Uh, and so we recognize that when Jesus is explaining the, the, the state of the lost multitudes, the first thing he says is pray for more laborers to be sent. Pray for more laborers to be sent into the gospel. So the ministry of prayer is heavy-duty integrated with the ministry of the gospel. And I think we, we recognize that at, at least to a certain level here. Uh, it's critical that we attach our intercessions to the ministry of the gospel with the lost. I think that's critical. And so uh, I like, uh, there's different uh, uh, ministers who have given 
different examples, but they talk about how, you know, prayer is like the igniter and, and the gospel is, is like the explosion and, and you can't have the igniter without the explosion. You know, you've got to have them both together. And I think the Lord was very uh, specific in this, identifying that when you see the, 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 the harvest, when you see the, the, the multitude that doesn't know the Lord, we get in the place of intercession so that there will be a great release of laborers into the harvest. Now, here's what I've come to find out, and you kind of already know this, I'm sure. If you spend any time praying for laborers to go in the harvest, eventually, you want to be the laborer. I mean, eventually, you're like, I, you know, I just, I, send, you, you, you move from send them somewhere to send me anywhere. And, and that's what happens in the heart. And I've seen this happen with people for years. They'll pray and pray and pray for laborers to, to go in the harvest, and the next thing you know, they're the ones that are being sent. And so I think the Lord set it up like that. I think he set us up with this instruction. Pray for laborers, knowing that if you keep praying for laborers at some point in time, you're going to feel the nudge, which I think is a great way for us to get going into the harvest. We pray for it until it moves our heart, and then we want to engage. I think that's what the Lord's doing with that. Let me give you one other verse on prayer, and then we'll move, we'll move on to proclamation and to power. Romans 1, verse 9. I thought this was interesting. You know, Paul said multiple times he he prayed uh, night and day or continuously or without ceasing. And in Romans 1, verse 9, he kind of puts these two thoughts together. He says, uh, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, He goes, so I'm under the service of God in the gospel. That's what I'm doing. I'm serving God in the gospel. And then he lays this next line out there right in that context. Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And so it's the tie-in of both. Paul is praying without ceasing for the church. He's praying without ceasing as part of his service to God in the gospel. Do you see that? He's praying without ceasing under the banner of I serve God in the gospel. And so once again, that issue of prayer as a valid part of the gospel, it's connected. Now here's what here's what I'm here's a practical way. Of course, night and day we pray. We pray for the lost all the time here. Uh, but here's a practical personal way. I'm going to give you two things. Number one, I want to encourage everybody to do this. Our family is doing this, and it's borne good fruit. Every person in our family picked one person that we have relationship with in our neighborhood. And uh, we all have begun to pray for them since the beginning of the year. We've been praying for them uh, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus. And we will call their name out, you know, uh, weekly. Whenever we get together as a family and pray, we pray together, you know, several times a week on average. And, and we will call their name out before the Lord and ask the Lord to save them, ask the Lord for the, the word to go forth in their life, ask the Lord to bring labors across their path, a real person who we know, and we'll pray for them. And we got, praise God, the first one last week prayed to receive Jesus. Amen. My sons been praying for this little guy in our neighborhood, 
and the guy was getting ready to move. And so they started feeling the heat, you know, like we want this guy to get saved. And I think they beat him up and finally he accepted Jesus. No, but they've been, we've been praying for this young man for five months. And uh, he finally, just last week, you know, he, he prayed a little prayer and my boys are like, he's got to change and all this. But it's, it's really positive uh, that this young man would reach out to the Lord, even at a young age. He's like uh, nine years old. So here's the thing. When you have a face, a person that you're praying for, someone that you're interfacing with, it could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a neighbor, it could be anybody, but there's somebody you're thinking about and you're praying for that person, there is a real participation in the gospel with you and that person going on. And you're asking the Lord to, to soften their heart, to send labors across their path, uh, and, and asking the Lord to give you an opportunity and there's a couple guys in my neighborhood, a couple of little, little rowdy young guys, just like I was. And uh, they're, they're my guys I'm praying for. And, uh, you know, they're into who knows what, all manner of whatever. And, but I just cannot, there's a moment coming. I know it. That I'm going to share the gospel with these young men. And I'm, I am already in faith about the power of God and the salvation that's going to hit those guys' lives. And when you're engaging with that, all of a sudden now, it's just not like those nasty sinners over there, they're all lost, they need to get saved. God, get those nasty sinners saved. All of a sudden now, you've got a person, some of you're thinking about, you're praying for them, you're thinking about their life, you're engaging with them individually. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a different interchange going on there. It becomes personal. It's a great personal application. Target just pick every, have everybody in your family, pick one person and target that person in prayer and share your, you know, share your faith with them as the Lord gives you the opportunity. I think it's a real practical way to walk out that feature, that prayer feature. Second practical way you can walk out the prayer feature is as you're going through life and you see somebody and perhaps you see somebody that you really want to share the gospel with. Uh, my wife and I were in a restaurant just recently and, uh, and our, and our, we wanted to share the gospel with our waitress. And, and what ended up happening was our waitress, at, by the time we were getting ready to leave, she ended up getting into some sort of uh, conversation with her manager. And it was just not going to happen. She was just detained and all of a sudden doing something else. And, and we had already, you know, uh, paid out and everything. And, and so we just did not have the opportunity to, to share with her. It just wasn't going to happen. You know, we, I guess we could have waited around for an hour or something until she was off work. Our kids were at home. So we just, we just needed to do this. We just needed to go ahead and, and go. But, you know, as we're leaving, we're walking out of that restaurant, and I'm saying, Lord, touch that young lady. Soften her heart to you. I pray she would come to know you. Send labors across her path. And I'm praying a real prayer for this woman who came across our path that we didn't get to share with her, but I'm praying a real prayer, guys, that really counts. And I'm believing that God is going to send somebody across our path, and maybe it'll be me by chance in a time ahead, but maybe it'll be someone else. Maybe the next person that goes there will share with her. And I've been praying into that, and I'm participating in the gospel that way. And so, you know what I found? Uh, when you, when you engage with somebody and you don't get to share with them and then you're praying for them, man, your heart begins to really move because you really want them to know Jesus when you begin to engage in intercession for them. It's like you begin to feel the Lord's emotions for them. And so, um, of course, we pray night and day and that's the way that we touch it corporately. 
But those are individual ways that you can engage with prayer as, as one-third of the way that we administer the gospel. One-third of the way that we administer it. All right, flip over with me to Mark chapter 8. This verse in Mark 8 has made a lot of difference to me over the last couple months. It's just a verse the Lord put on my heart when I was in China in March. And you know, it's amazing how the word works. You can read a verse a hundred times and then light is on it and your heart just shifts. And I saw this Mark 8 verse in a way I'd never seen it before. And uh, it's really for all of us. Look at Mark 8. Look at uh, verse 34. Jesus again, when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I go, amen. I know this verse. Amen. We're going to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're going to deny ourselves and follow the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Amen. And then verse 35, and he says this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For my sake and the gospels. I tell you what, something happened to me when I read that and there was light on it and I saw it in in a new way for the first time. I realized that so many times that I come up to that barrier uh, in sharing my faith with somebody, that little fear barrier where you're just kind of like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird. I don't want to be awkward. I don't want to blow it by being too forward. You know, there's all those little arguments that go on in your mind as you're wanting to, you know, you're feeling like I want to share with somebody. And then you're like, uh-oh, and I got to find the right bridge. You, know, you get stumped. All of a sudden, I'm reading this and I realize There is a losing of our life, a losing of our reputation, a losing of, you know, our our persona before men that's actually connected to our lordship, the, the lordship reality of Jesus in our life. He actually ties the two together. Loses your life for my sake And the Gospels. And the Gospels. Because I think uh, many, many times I've, you know, prayed and been with the Lord in in, uh, intense times of worship or whatever and been like, anything you want, God. I'm all yours. All of me. Have all of me. And, And I'm wide open, open hearted for the Lord to do anything he wants in my life. And then he goes, that's right, that's right. Lose your life for my sake and the gospels. He actually connects the two. Saving of the life or the losing of the life. He connects the two to the issue of our lordship, reality with Jesus and being lord of all of our life and our personal engagement with the gospel. And when I saw that, I, I, I thought, man, I don't know that I've ever really understood this, that he's actually 
calling us to lose persona. He's actually calling us to, to, to lose image. He's actually calling us to, to be the weirdo, so to speak, you know, for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. I had a, a friend of mine share a testimony with me this week. I want to share it with you. He's a, he's a pretty bold guy, and, and he was in a... He, he likes to go to the, um, to the bookstore, like the, the Barnes & Noble or whatever, and he likes to go to the witchcraft aisle. Just because he figures if he finds somebody on the witchcraft aisle looking at witchcraft books, they're a great candidate for the gospel. So he go, <laughs> goes on the witchcraft aisle... And uh, there's this guy, you know, and he's, he's got the look, you know, long hair, dark clothes, bunch of, you know, funky jewelry and tattoos everywhere. And he's like, man, I got one. This is awesome. And he walks up to the guy, and it's kind of a long story, kind of involved, but he ends up talking to the guy, and the guy's a witch, full-on witch, and the guy shares with him how he's had some encounters with the demonic, and, um, you know, he, this is what he does. And so my friend just, this is the bridge my friend uses. He goes, well, you ever felt the power of God? (laughs) Last week we talked about how we get paralyzed trying to go over the bridge, like using the natural thing to get to the spiritual, you know. We go, so, and we just get paralyzed there so often. Well, his bridge is, you ever felt the power of God? And the, the guy goes, well, I don't know. And he said, the guy starts manifesting. Like he's, he's actually seething with anger. Like his, his veins are bulging and he's, his face is red and he's getting, you know, he's getting crazy. But the guy actually agrees to let my friend pray for him. So he goes, okay. And he puts a hand on him and just goes, you know, Lord, I'm asking you to touch this guy, release your power on him. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. And the guy's just like enraged and halfway manifesting, and, uh, and so my friend is like, okay, man, well, God bless you, you know, and he, and he just basically, you know, so you, need, you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to get saved, God bless you, and he leaves. All right, a year later, uh, my friend, he teaches in a, in a Bible school, and a year later, one of his students comes to him, and he says, man, I was in a church last night, and this guy stands up, and he's, he's, uh, he wants to give a testimony about how he got saved. And uh, he, sa- he stands up and he says he was this ex-witch. And there he was in the Barnes and Nobles. And uh, he said some crazy guy came in, some wild-eyed guy came in talking about, you ever, you, you ever felt the power of God? And this guy laid hands on me. He goes, and nothing happened. And the guy leaves. And five minutes later, I can't stop shaking. I'm shaking uncontrollably under the power of God. He said, <laughs> he said I fell to my knees and gave my life to Jesus right there in the Barnes and Nobles. He goes, and nobody was around. And I left witchcraft, and I started, I've been serving Jesus ever since. And, uh, and so, I know, come on. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. The Word never returns void. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This thing is true whether you see it or you don't. And here's the deal. If we stay on this side of the fence, not losing our life, not losing our image, not losing our persona, wondering if people are going to think we're weird, we never get over to, did you ever feel the power of God? You see what I'm saying? Man, I want who cares if they think we're weird? They already think we're weird. Come on. 
They already, are you going to be a normal Christian? I mean, guess what? If the world thinks you're a normal Christian, what the world thinks is abnormal. So for them to think you're normal, that's a problem. Does that make sense? Let's, let's just go ahead and just step on over. I'm the weirdo they warned you about. You know, and just go, hey, you ever heard the gospel? You ever felt the power of God? I'm here to be weird and lose my life. Why? For the sake of the gospel. For Jesus' sake and his mission. His mission is he's going to be Lord. He's going to be Lord over all the nations. This is his mission. And the message of the mission is the gospel. When we got saved, beloved, when we got saved, we came under the lordship of Jesus. Isn't that right? Well, we didn't, we didn't know it, but we also came under the lordship of his mission. And he ties it together for us right there in Mark 8. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels. I'm not telling you to go out there and just be foolish and, and act weird on purpose. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to be strange. Because, I mean, it's, it's already going to be strange enough. You can just go out there and just be totally normal and say the strangest thing, which is, you ever felt the power of God? That's going to be weird to most people. But can I tell you something? The lost wants to feel the power of God. They want the prophetic word. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when a lost person gets the, a, a, a prophecy, when the, when the Lord uses uh, the prophetic word to go forth and to reveal the secrets of the heart of somebody who's lost, they will fall down and receive God. They'll say, God is truly among you. There is, there is a, a design by God that every human heart wants the supernatural. It's so disturbing to humans when they, when they realize that, you know, they've been taken, they've been, that there's a farce, you know, something was supposed to be grandiose and it wasn't. It's so disturbing. Why? Because they want the exceptional. They want the supernatural. You remember when you found out that, that Santa Claus wasn't real? I mean, it's just like heartbreak. Because you want the supernatural. That's what that is. Wait, I didn't just bust somebody's bubble there, did I? <laughs> Santa Claus isn't real. But here's the thing. There's something inside of all of us. We want it. We want the unusual, the supernatural. Santa Claus is just a, it's just like a, a you know, a false to the real. And there's a, there's a heartbreak when we sort of come of age and we realize, wow, all that, all that stuff that I thought, all that wonder, it's not real. Guys, it's real. Human hearts know it's real. They just want it and they want it demonstrated. So we, we need to step across the line. Go ahead and lose our life for the sake of the gospel. When we gave our heart to Jesus, we signed up for his mission. His mission is the message that he wants everybody in on his kingdom. He's going to be a king over all the nations, and he wants everybody in. He's he's inviting everybody. Don't, Don't prop up your persona. Go ahead and just lose it. Lose it. Whoever loses his life, for my sake in the Gospels, will save it. Let's read another verse, Acts 8. I love this verse because it puts the responsibility of the Gospel squarely in the hands of everybody in the body. And we get to see how what was normative in the first church they didn't think that the gospel proclamation was only for the apostles, 
you know, only for the super spiritual. They had the gospel proclamation across the board with everybody. I love this. Acts 8, verse 1. Stephen is getting, he just got martyred. And there's Paul. He's Saul at this point. He says, now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the, the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now think about that. Everybody was scattered except the apostles. All the leaders, you know, were still there. Everyone else is scattered. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered, all the regular guys, all the regular guys, everybody was scattered except the apostles, right? Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word or preaching the gospel. Oh, beloved, this is our portion to engage with Jesus in this way. This is our portion. I love this. It's in the hands of the entire church. It's in the hands of the entire church. And what you find out when you go over to Acts 11 is this. Those that went everywhere preaching the gospel, they end up uh, erupting in revival. They bring the gospel to Antioch, and it erupts in revival. I believe this. The next revival, we'll have big meetings in it. There'll be mass gatherings. But the main and plane of the next revival will be this. The multitude ministering the gospel. The multitude ministering the power of God. The masses hearing and receiving the word because the gospel won't be confined to the revival service. The power won't be confined to just that service. The power will be manifest through the multitude of believers who are proclaiming and ministering the power of God. That's where this thing is going, beloved. This is, this, this is going to get real fun. This is, this is going to be good. As we engage, we we actually get to jump in the deep end with this thing and be the one that's preaching the word and healing the sick. That's what this thing was set up for, this this ministry of reconciliation for every believer to engage in the ministry of the gospel. That's, That's what this thing is set up for. So here's how we're ministering the gospel. First is prayer. Next is proclamation. Now we went through last week the details of what you share we talked about, you know, jump over the bridge, just come, just come on out with it. We just talked about, just go ahead and lose your persona. That can look like all sorts of stuff. I, I like, I, you know, I like the guy that just said, hey, you ever felt the power of God? That's fun. It puts God out there. It's just fun. I, I'm, my thing right now is I'm just saying, have you ever heard the gospel? And for me, if I say, have you ever heard the gospel? If they say yes, then I just go, oh, so you've heard, and I share it with them again. And if they say no, I go, great, let me share it with you. (laughs) So either way, they're going to get it. Amen. I'm not looking for the new, fresh tool. I don't care. The tool isn't the power of God into salvation. 
The gospel is. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. I'm not looking for the new way that you can kind of trick them into hearing the gospel. I, I don't care about any of that. I mean, where that works, I love that. I love anybody getting saved, hearing the gospel. But let's just get sharing the gospel. Let's just get sharing the gospel, and then the Lord will share, you know, he'll help tweak it up, you know, and fix your angle or, you know. And we're not, we're not compelled by, by shame or fear or any of that. We're not compelled by anything. We're compelled by love. We're motivated by love. This is awesome. Because you can see somebody the way that God loves them and let your heart move toward introducing them to the king that wants them to be a part of, their, of his kingdom. Good. Prayer, proclamation, and power. Now, this is where I actually wanted to spend most of our time, but when I went ahead and put out all out, I had like six pages of scriptures, which would be way, way more than I could cover in today. So I'm going to introduce it today, and then next week, we will talk about the power of the gospel in detail, okay? But let's just introduce it. Matthew chapter 10. Here's Jesus. He's sending out this group of disciples to, to go share the gospel. First time he sends out the 12 right now, and this is what he tells them to do. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We'll talk a little more in detail about what that translates. We talked a little bit about that last week. And, verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely you give. Amazing to me, these novice fishermen, rough disciples, their first trip to go solo, they're total rookies. They're going to go solo sharing the gospel. Jesus isn't going to go with them. He says, preach the gospel, share share with them that the kingdom is at hand, and then heal the sick and raise the dead. I would have been like, isn't there like an impartation meeting? We have five steps to miracles. Come on. Don't we, don't, do we need a heaven, heavenly encounter of some sort? I'm, yeah, I'm, I fish. He goes, yep, I want you to raise the dead. Cast out demons. Do the whole thing. Interesting, isn't it? And guess what? They do. They go out. They preach the gospel. And the stuff happens. You know, they hadn't been 10 years in the school of the supernatural. They're like a year and a half into watching Jesus and sort of freaking out every time he does something. And sort of not understanding a thing he's talking about. (laughs) Think about it. Like parable of the seed and the sower, read it. And then you'll realize that at the campfire that night, they go, hey, what was that whole thing, seed and the sower thing? Like, what was that? I would just hate, I would have hated to be a, a disciple from this vantage point, you know, Jesus sharing the parable to see the sower, and you got the main guys with Jesus, you got the multitude. The main guys are going, yeah, amen. Amen, so good. Seeing the sower, praise God. Amen. And then, you know, some multitude, some guy from the multitude goes, hey, man, hey, come here. What the heck was that? Seed and sower? Like, can you explain that to me? And he goes, yeah, um, well, seed and sower, uh, and he's got no clue. Most of the time, Jesus is teaching the disciples didn't even get it. They had, they had to like get him to break it down at dinner. 
There's something about seeds and sowers and thorns, Jesus. What was that? He goes, you got to know this one, actually. It's the foundational one for the kingdom. you got to kind of got to know this one. Let me break it down for you. But so often, I mean, you read through the book of John over and over and over. These things they did not understand until Jesus was risen from the dead. These things they did not understand for their eyes were closed. These things they did not understand over and over. They went three and a half years with the man going, man, that's awesome. What the heck did he just say? So they're a year, in, a year into the ministry. He goes, go raise some dead people. I, I, I mean, do, does Jesus' leadership style like worry you a little bit? Think about that. Like novice, tax collector, fisherman. He goes, yeah, get out there and get a bunch of sick people healed and raise a few people from the dead. Go for it. Isn't that a little reckless, Jesus? Don't they need a little training, a little more wisdom, maturity? Hear the voice of reason that comes in there and steals our faith, chokes us out, believing for the, the impossible. These brand new rookies, newbies, green. He sends them out. First time he sends them out, go do the stuff, preach the gospel, and just do it, just blow it up. And they do. They come back, they go, this is incredible. Demons actually listen to us now. This is awesome. I mean, (laughs) they're teenagers. They're coming back going, yeah, baby. (laughs) I mean, they're just, they're high-fiving. Man, I got a crippled guy healed. Man, I cast out 10 demons. I was playing Simon Says with them. It was awesome. We've complicated it, haven't we? We've really complicated this, haven't we? We think we need the third heaven revelation, the heavy-duty apostolic impartation, and signs, wonders, and miracles conference, and school of the Spirit for 27 weeks before we can actually do any of this. These guys were brand new out of the gate. First, first ministry trip, because raise the dead. Let's keep working it. Mark 16, you know it, here it is, and he said to them, verse 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, he who does not believe will be condemned, I love how Jesus doesn't mince words with this thing, these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues. Take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They will recover. So then after the, after, uh, so then after the Lord had, had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That's critical. You know, he didn't leave it out there where you just preach the gospel and people have to sort of like... I don't know, I just got to wrestle through the... He goes, no, no, no. I'm actually going to let you preach this thing and then confirm it. You're going to preach the fact that I'm risen from the dead and then you're going to show them. He goes, that will, that will handle a lot of the issue. You're going to manifest power to attest to the truth of who I am and what you just told them. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this through you. You're going to do it and I'll release the power through you. Isn't it interesting that those were never separated? What I mean is the proclamation and the power manifestation were never pulled apart 
They were never supposed to be separated. Somehow we've made it this thing where you just sort of, you know, do this deal and you try to get them saved and then you sort of ease them in to the, to the things of the Spirit. That was never, that was never the biblical model. The biblical model was preach the gospel and show them that it's real by doing something crazy that they've never thought was real. Releasing power from another age. That was always the biblical model. We're not walking around with some blind faith in some God that doesn't even interact in human affairs. He never wanted us to to call them to believe in in some God that doesn't interact in, in human affairs. He wanted us to call them to believe the gospel and then manifest the power of the kingdom so that they would be connected to it, that it's real. That was always what the template was. Look at Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. It's on your screen. You shall receive power. Dunamis power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power to be a witness. Signs, wonders, and miracles with the gospel proclamation. These things have always been tied together. Look at Acts 2.22. It's on your screen. Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, look at this, attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. God always designed it to accredit his son and attest to the truth of Jesus' deity Not only through the message preached, but with the power on the message and the manifestation of the power of God to do signs, wonders, miracles, and healings. Beloved, that is incredibly awesome. Because that means this. If we will jump over the fence, jump over our fear, go ahead and and give our life for Jesus and the gospel, we will put ourselves in this place where all of a sudden, signs, wonders, and miracles can manifest through us as well. I think I've spent a lot of my life waiting for the impartation of power so I could go do signs after I got the impartation. I tell you what, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, power came on you whether you felt it or not, and you got equipment for this thing. That's what you got. Acts 1.8 makes it clear. Now, there's a bunch of different groups. I think of three groups. One group says, I've already gotten everything I need from God. I don't need any more. One group says, well, I'm waiting for for something incredible to happen, you know. But I like the third group. You know, I'm waiting for something incredible to happen before I can do anything. But I like the third group. The third group says, I got the power of the Holy Spirit when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I can continue to ask God for more and he'll pour out more on me. I I can have both and. I don't have to just sit there and either wait for power And I don't have to just go with what I've already received. The Lord wants to release more continuously, be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. He wants that to continue to be a cycle with you and and continue to uh, increase upon you. And then I love this. In Acts 4, these disciples who were full of the Holy Spirit, they have a prayer meeting, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And their prayer was interesting. It wasn't only them asking to manifest what they had within them. It was actually them asking God to do even more than that. Stretch forth his hand of power. I'll tell you what. 
we go forth with the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, God stretching forth his hand of power, continuous outpourings filling us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is supposed to be a ton of fun. This is supposed to be a ball. I want to cast a demon out. I might as well make it, let's just make it interesting. Let's just do it in the middle of Kroger. Let's just, let's just, let's just get a real bona fide, legit healing right in the middle of Olive Garden. Somebody running around, oh, I'm healed. That would just be incredible. Jesus doesn't mind disrupting Olive Garden. Come on. Look at Paul. We're land now. Romans 15, last verse. Romans 15, verse 18. Prayer, proclamation, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15. Paul, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. Look at verse 19. In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. So now look what he, how he describes the manifestation of power He says, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel. The full preaching of the gospel with the accompanying signs and wonders. Do you see that? He goes, I'm not going to presume. He goes, I won't make stuff up. I'm not going to make up things. But in mighty signs and wonders and miracles, God has manifest through me so that by the end of it all, I fully preach the gospel from the north to the south, is what he's saying. Fully preaching the gospel is the gospel message with the accompanying signs and wonders. Come on. And I know some are going, well, what happens if I do it and it doesn't happen? Listen, if we all do it, it's going to happen somewhere. You know, we get all 500 folks that are part of this community preaching the gospel and putting their hand on somebody and going, be healed. Somebody's going to get healed somewhere. That's more than we've got right now. Right? Until then, you know, a few weeks later, it'll be three people a week are getting somebody healed. And then it'll be 10. And then it'll be who knows. But I don't care. What if it doesn't? I don't we, No, He said it would. Let's go for it. Sometimes you just got to kind of break the crust off, you know. You just kind of got to get it moving. I remember in the fall, I decided I was going to do this uh, workout with, with Jamie Boy Pridgen, who's just, I mean, like a barbarian. I mean, it's just, and he takes me to this boot camp. And I remember they said, okay, we're going to warm up. And we get on this deal, and I start warming up. We're on this uh, rowing machine. You got to go so many RPMs for the next 10 minutes. And I get off the rowing machine. I'm going. <laughs> they go, all right, good warm up. Let's go. Let's start a workout now. I'm like, start the workout. What are you talking about? I'm done. 10 minutes, man. That's it. Well, here's what happened. After a few weeks of kind of working it out, I realized, man, I had gotten like, you know, crusty kind of like my joints were just, you know, I was getting too sedentary. 
And after I got moving, I could actually do the thing more. Beloved, you know what? This is, it, it may be like that a little bit as we, as we start sharing our faith more. It might be a little awkward. It might be like, man, I don't know, and who knows? But I'll tell you what, as we continue to do it, what used to feel like the whole workout, it's going to feel like a warm-up. We're going to be rolling with this thing. Power of the Holy Spirit manifesting through us. Attesting to the truth of Jesus' deity. Sharing the gospel with the lost. Man, getting people saved. Amen. Prayer, proclamation, and power. That's it. That's how we manifest. The bonus is giving. The bonus is giving. Don't trade prayer, proclamation, and power for giving. Use the giving as the bonus. Amen? All right, let's stand. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. It's Pentecost Sunday, you know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's only right on Pentecost Sunday that we preach about the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out, equipping us. And when it happened in Acts 2, guys, that changed the course of the world. It changed the course of the world. It doesn't need to be any different for us today. And I just want to ask the Lord just to, just to come, just to fill us. Fill us with His power and, and, the, and then the Acts 4, to stretch forth His hand. To release signs and wonders. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, here we are. We, we come empty-handed. We can't, we can't make a thing happen. But we want to position ourselves directly in front of you. Recognizing you called us to give you our lives, Jesus. And to lay our lives down for you and the gospel. So right now, I'm asking, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fill us with a fresh baptism of power. A baptism of fire. Fill us afresh and anew. We remember what you did on Pentecost. What you did in that upper room, those 120, waiting for the promise of the Father. And here we are. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Right now. Be filled in Jesus' name. Be filled afresh in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask, stretch forth your hands signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus that we your people would have boldness to share the gospel come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit let's just wait on the Lord for a moment